Did you know that it wasn't until yesterday, January 6th, that Christmas was finally over? It seems like people start putting up Christmas decorations as soon as the last trick-or-treaters leave their porch. And just as quickly as they put them up, it seems like they take them down as soon as the last present is opened. Joy to the world, Jesus is born. Let's check that off the list and move on. In the season of Advent, our church spends four weeks leading up to Christmas talking about how important it is for us to prepare and to get ready for the birth of Christ. And we lift our voices and our candles on Christmas Eve, and then what? Well, this is where the season of Christmas comes in. It's less than two weeks long, and it falls in that post-holiday hangover time where we seem to lose what tr track of what day it is, and sometimes we stay in the same pair of pajamas longer than we would admit, and we don't ask any questions about what the kids are eating just as long as they're eating something. And if we aren't careful, it would be very easy to skip from Christmas and just move on, and to skip what happens after Jesus is born. We move on, we pack up the nativities, we take down the Christmas tree, and we go along our merry way. But if we do this, if we move on too quickly, then we miss an important part of the story. We miss the arrival of the Magi, and we miss the chance to receive one last gift. Epiphany happens on the same day every year, always on January 6th, 12 days after Christmas. It comes just as we are re-entering into the rhythms and routines of school and work and doctor's appointments and the things that fill our everyday. It is one last chance for us to celebrate the arrival of something amazing, something unexpected. But this time, we're not talking about the arrival of the Christ child. This time, we're talking about those that traveled from a distant land. During the Advent season, Susan shared some of her nativity collection with our children, and we learned that nativity scenes can look different and can contain different characters or animals or settings. And so by now, after hearing it for five weeks in a row, I hope that you all know that nativities will always contain Mary, Joseph, and baby Jesus. But then from there, the possibilities are endless. And if I asked you to draw us a picture, or if drawing isn't your gift, to write a list of who and what you would find in a nativity scene, chances are you would probably include the Holy Family, Maybe you would have some animals, a variety of animals, lions, lobsters, dogs, sheep. Maybe there would be an angel, there might be a star hanging over the, the stable, there would probably be some shepherds, and I would be willing to bet that you would also include three well-dressed characters carrying gifts. These travelers that are in our passage for today have been called many things over the years. Even in our different Bible translations, there is not a common word that is found in all of them. They have been called kings and sorcerers or astronomers. Sometimes we even give them real names. But whatever their role was, we know that this group of travelers were wealthy and affluent 
based on the gifts that they brought. Even though they were from a distant land, it is probably a safe bet to say that the average citizen from wherever they came from didn't have piles of gold and frankincense and myrrh sitting around. And so because of this, we often assume that these travelers are royal, and we will often just promote them to the role of king. However, in the Greek, the word that is used for this entourage of travelers is magioi, which tra translates to magician or scientist. There are no hints or connotations in this word in Greek that this group were kings or that they came from royalty. When we read about King Herod in this passage, the word in Greek is basileos, and it is clear that these group, this group of travelers are not in the same category as the ruler of the kingdom of Judea. We can still cause that call them wise men, but calling them kings is just a little bit of a stretch. Some other things that are important to notice about the Magi in this story. Did you notice that Matthew does not tell us how many of them there are? We sing a hymn that says, We Three Kings, but if you look at the Gospel of Matthew, it doesn't say three magi, three wise men showed up. I checked five or six different Bible translations of this passage, and none of them give us a numerical number. But in our time with our children this morning, I asked them, how many magi do you think there are? And all of them said three. And I said, well, why do you think there were three? If the Bible doesn't say there were three, and one very wise child said, well, because there were three different gifts, and so there had to have been three wise men. He's not wrong. That's what is easy to assume. We often, uh, or the fact is that when you read the Gospel of Matthew, all you see, all we read, is that a group of magi showed up. Maybe there were three, maybe there were 30, maybe there were 300. To Matthew, the number is not the important part of this story. We also don't know if this group consisted of only men. While it was the custom of ancient Israel for the wise men or the wise people and the scribes and the priests to be male, the customs may have been different in the land where the Magi traveled from. Who's to say that there were not wise women who saw the star and decided to join this journey? And so to avoid any confusion, for the purpose of this sermon, I will refer to this group of travelers as Magi, because if nothing else, it's the word that Matthew used when writing this gospel. And it feels like the safest word to use when there are so many unknowns about who this group was made up of. It's also important to note how much time has passed since the birth of Jesus. We read that when the Magi arrive in Bethlehem, they didn't arrive at a stable. In verse 11, we are told that they come to a house. So we at least know that they have found a little bit of a more suitable place to stay than when Jesus was born. We also quickly learn that when they enter the house, they see a Oh, I'm going to stumble over this Greek word. We see, they see a padion, or a young child, with his mother. These two details, plus the fact that Herod later decrees that all male children who are two or younger are to be found, tells us that Jesus is probably a toddler by the time the Magi show up. 
I share all of this context because from the beginning, the story of the Magi is filled with an opportunity for us to journey with them, to imagine ourselves in the story and to follow our own stars as we also search for something amazing and unexpected. No matter what profession they had, the Magi were in touch with nature and the world around them. They noticed when there was a new star in the sky. We don't know if they were curious or if whatever training and education they had told them that this wasn't normal, or maybe there was something that they couldn't quite explain that nudged them to make this journey. Whatever the reason, the Magi were brave and courageous as they decided to take a journey with an unknown destination. How many of us would do this? I was recently talking with a friend who has just returned from visiting family in Florida over the holidays, and as we were talking about this passage, she said, I can't imagine what this journey would have been like. When we go on a trip, we make sure that there are plenty of car snacks, the lumbar support pillow is in the driver's seat, there's lots of good playlists lined up, and we know exactly which exits we're taking because the gas stations or the rest areas have the cleanest bathrooms. And even with all of this planning and everything we could ever need, it's still stressful to travel. So imagine the courage and the trust that the Magi had that this star would lead them to something that was worth experiencing. Somewhere along the journey, they learned that there is a child that is being called the Messiah. Remember, the shepherds didn't meet the Christ child and then keep it to themselves as they returned to the fields. They told people about it. So when the Magi arrive in Jerusalem, they start asking around, asking people they see in the streets where they can find this child. And eventually word gets to King Herod that there are people from a distant land who are asking questions about the child that is being called King of the Jews. Now it was one thing for the locals to be talking about the birth of a noteworthy child that King Herod could manage. But when this unexpected group from an unknown land appears, well, that changes things for Herod. Scripture tells us that he is frightened and he gathers together his own wise men and scholars to tell him where this child can be found. While the Magi from the East are, speak, are seeking the Messiah out of a place of courage and trust, Herod and his wise men are seeking the Messiah out of a place of fear. For the Magi, the promise of the Messiah was a message for, of hope. And for Herod, the promise of a Messiah was a threat. But the Magi don't let Herod's behavior stop them. They continue their journey, and when the star stops, they are overwhelmed with joy. They enter a house, and they see a young child and his mother. And the same trust that stirred in their hearts and told them to make this journey stirs in their hearts again as they present gifts and they worship this child. The Magi offer everything they have, and in the process, their lives are forever changed. We too are at the beginning of a new journey. Epiphany is a day that allows us to remember the Magi and the gifts they brought, and to think about what gifts we wish to give and receive in the year ahead. Next week, we will welcome Pastor Justin and his family to our church, and together, we will begin a new journey. And I am confident that this journey and this year ahead will hold amazing and unexpected things. 
In just a few moments, we will gather at the communion table and share the Lord's Supper together. We will be reminded that Jesus gave us many gifts over the course of his ministry and that we are still able to receive these gifts of love and grace and mercy as we remember the sacrifice he made on our behalf. The opportunity to gather at the table and to remember the life and love of Christ is a gift that is open to anyone who wishes to come close to God. And then, after you have come forward and received communion, you will receive a second gift in the form of a star that is meant to guide you in the year ahead. And I'll explain exactly what that means in just a little while. Over the course of this year, we will hopefully have stirrings in our own hearts as we worship and learn and serve and live alongside one another. We must be willing to be like the Magi and to journey forward with hope and trust. When we encounter the unexpected, we must be willing to face those situations and try to see them as promises and opportunities. We must be willing to hope and trust that God is present in them, even if we don't know where they lead. We cannot allow ourselves to be like Herod, to see every unexpected thing as a threat. That's the easy thing to do. The harder thing is to allow ourselves to be led by God and to be open to where the journey leads. We may not have a bright star ahead of us, and if you have chests of gold and frankincense and myrrh in your house, please let us know. But we will have our own signs of God's guidance as we journey together, and all of us have gifts that can be used to praise and worship Christ. If each of us is willing to listen to the stirrings in our own hearts, to where God is leading and to use our gifts to further the work of God here on earth, then not only will the lives of those we encounter be forever changed, our own lives will too. This is work that has to be done together. While we don't know how many Magi traveled to Bethlehem, we do know that there was more than one of them. The journey cannot and should not be done alone. The Magi journeyed forward together with hope and trust, and through that journey, they encountered Jesus. My prayer for us this year is that we will be like the Magi, being aware of the ways God is showing up in the world around us and trusting the stirrings in our hearts and where they lead. May we be looking for ways we can share the gifts God has given us and use them as stars to guide us, as we join in the heavenly work of Christ. May we be light bearers, reminding those we meet that the darkness will not be overcome by the weariness that fills the world. May we journey with courage, hope, and trust in the God that led the Magi and the God that is still leading us today.